0: I don't think we met before, but I'm the referee on this field.
1: Leinster could have me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. Here's Rugby Rugby Weekly. Little reverse pass. Oh, Drive Magic! Hello, everyone, and welcome to Friday's Rugby Weekly. Gavin Casey here, and joining us to look ahead to the weekend's action is Murray Kinsella of the 42. Murray, how are you?
0: Good, cool, Gav. How was your Paddy's day?
1: Yeah, really enjoyable I, I forgot how good a day it could be i don't really ever remember any other paddy's days i don't know should i even mm. be saying that out loud but uh <laughs> they, they, they never the day never felt um, uh, in any way significant to me but yesterday was actually really enjoyable kind of nice buzz around cork city went to a few places met like a lot of tourists that just kind of tagged along with us for the rest of the evening it was yeah it was good Close. um did you get up too much
0: yeah, it was covering Ireland stuff. Obviously, the rugby doesn't take a break. It was funny, actually. Jack Conan was asked about it and he couldn't resist having a bit of a, a gag at Dave Kilcoin's expense. He said he was trying to get up on a few of the floats in the parade. He <laughs> said Conor Murray had his face painted walking up and down Grafton Street. Uh, <laughs> but they, they had media stuff going on and obviously we're, we're building up to the game. But uh, no, nah, Jen, my wife, did take me for a lovely couple of pints there yesterday evening in, in the local. And yeah, everyone's in class form. It was cool even seeing all the stuff in town i thought and as you say loads of tourists around um but it looks really nice and yeah lovely celebrations all around the world so yeah it is a day that when i was younger i probably didn't have as much thought about but um mm. yeah you do feel proud when you see all that stuff around the world
1: well let's hope the celebrations can continue this weekend i don't know about you but there's something nice about or i at least i think there's something nice about ireland playing for A triple crown maybe it's just that it was my first taste of Ireland having any modicum of success in international rugby going back to 2004 like the 90s were pretty barren obviously and I was probably only starting to properly get interested in sport around that time anyway so I kind of remember those couple of years with well yeah 2004 2006 Gordon Darcy's emergence and that sort of sense of celebration that okay we haven't won the tournament but we are the best of these two islands in our immediate proximity. And I know people are talking about how Ireland need to be aiming higher and it's not about Triple Crowns with this team. But you know what? If they're lifting a trophy in Lansdowne Road at the end of tomorrow's game, I'll be a happy enough camper. I don't know about you.
0: Yeah, I think people should be, be happy with it. It's funny, like I have nostalgic memories of those Triple Crowns in the 2000s as well because Ireland were still kind of in the process of going from being shite to being uh, competitive and contenders. And if Ireland finish tomorrow or, you know, finish tomorrow evening with four out of five wins in the Six Nations with a bit of silverware, it's absolutely something to be credited, particularly when you're away for those two traditionally tough fixtures against England and France. So absolutely, it it would be something to be celebrated. And I think it would thoroughly be celebrated. The, The players are absolutely excited about the possibility. I'd also forgotten that back in 2004 there wasn't actually a trophy to lift, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, some of my copy has been in- inaccurate uh, earlier on this week until I, I re- recalled that and it would be just a nice moment for, for Ireland's fans. As we know, as we've discussed in, in the articles all week, it's a, a real rarity for Ireland to be able to do that. Um, uh, you know, obviously it was amazing the 2018 Grand Slam Paddy's weekend over in Twickenham with the snow and and great memories there but there's nothing like doing it in front of your own um, and it'll be f- Really just interesting to see Saturday night, Ireland play. Hopefully they've got their win in the bag. They put themselves in in contention and then sitting back, everyone having a couple of points, and, and waiting to see what happens in Paris. It's going to be just a fun evening.
1: Yeah, it really is. Uh, what stands out to you about that team then and the three changes that Andy Farrell has made?
0: Yeah, I think the back row probably isn't a, su- a surprise really given Conan's impact and given his qualities. And that's the way they select now Ireland it's, it's horses for courses in, in many cases and and Conan definitely looks like he's going to suit this style of game that's coming tomorrow much more and, and Omani will impact off the bench in, in his way that he, that he does Mac Hansen again I, I, like with ball in hand Ireland are going to be really ambitious I think in this game they're, they feel that their best performance yet is in them that they're very close to kicking that some of those passes that haven't gone to hand and offloads that haven't gone to hand are going to do so when they make better decisions and and just be a little bit more accurate with that as well so he's, he's well well suited to that and um, Henderson obviously comes in He's kind of got a start there. He comes off the back of one of his poorer performances for Ireland. He did loads of good things, we should we should say again. Loads of good stuff around the rock. actually, when you when you watch the game back, some nice carries and, and powerful moments, but obviously the the clear moments of indiscipline and and poor decision making that he would have been so frustrated with. So he'll be out to to prove a point and kind of lead that Irish line out well. So, yeah, it's a, it's a team that looks well-suited to the task ahead. And I think this is going to be a, a really exciting game because Scotland are clearly coming to play. They probably don't have too much to lose, albeit a, a defeat for them would, would probably see them finish in fifth in the, in the table. But I think they're clearly set up to to go and play a lot of ball with Blair Kinghorn at 10. And I'd love to see both teams kind of trading shots in that way. I'd love to see James Lowe and Mac Hansen really tested with some stretch in the Scottish attack because they've obviously both been really good going forward. Probably haven't actually been in too many tough situations on the edges as we maybe would have anticipated. And I think given how good Ireland's defence has been, and like it probably has gone under the, the radar a bit, as it always does. We always focus on attack. But they've kind of continued in that vein of of quality defence of not actually allowing the opposition to have too much possession. Um, but I think it would be a good stepping stone for them to be stretched with a bit of wide, wide Scottish attack.
1: There's a bit of a dichotomy between how fans would appear to be viewing this game and the squad naturally, like the Ireland squad are going to take absolutely nothing for granted I think a lot of people that I've been speaking to just friends and rugby fans generally speaking are looking at this as pretty much a banker win and I just feel as though because as you say Scotland have nothing to lose they could come and throw the ball around make it a really entertaining game as you allude to and potentially be set up for a bit of an ambush here like as much as yes, they could wind up finishing fifth in the table. We've also seen them beat England in this tournament. They've taken a fair few scalps over the last three or four years, even if they haven't kicked on to contention themselves. So, it's one to be careful with as well. I think it's it's a potential banana skin, and like the complexion of Ireland's tournament and the supposed progress that they have made that we've seen could be completely different if you slip up tomorrow.
0: Mm. It is a great point, Gav, and I think everyone's been guilty of taking it for granted massively this week and talking about even how I I let in, talking about the the final game between France and England as if it's a bit of a foregone conclusion beforehand. Like, there's justified confidence there from an Irish supporter's point of view and even an Irish player's point of view. They've won six in a row against the Scots. They've won 12 of the last 15. Scotland last won here in 2010 in, in Croker. And their last win against Ireland was in 2017 over in in Murrayfield when the the busgate kind of thing happened. So there's a, a real bank of self-belief there and of being in situations where Ireland have been able to just dominate Scotland. The front five is always a, a massive part of that. And though they're down Porter and uh, Keller, obviously, Ireland will still have a lot of confidence that they'll be able to go and do that. Johnny Gray coming back in for Scotland is a big help for them in that regard. He was missing the last couple of games through injury, but he's returned to, to beef them up. But I think even still, player for player Ireland have more quality in that area. They've been able to physically get on top of Scotland repeatedly in these fixtures. And, and while the attacking stuff might catch the eye, that's generally where it, um, I suppose, is decided in, in many ways. So that's a, a an interesting one, given also the, the challenge of Ireland's. Pack and scrum bouncing back from what happened last weekend. They've got the message out there that you know the the feedback from official channels, world rugby wise, was that several of those decisions at the penalty were were wrong, um, and they've also put their hand up a little bit, I, I think, and said we need to manage that kind of stuff better. So no doubt Scotland and Peter de Villiers, who's their scrum coach, will be looking to go after get an early win with with Wayne Barnes making those decisions. But I think Ireland's pack will be very focused in, in terms of, of recovering and uh, proving a point there.
1: Are you surprised by Gregor Townsend's decision to change, make a change at out half?
0: Yeah, again, I think we'd all just accepted that that was going to be the case. I'd say I would imagine that Ireland's review had extensively involved Finn Russell and and Andy Farrell kind of alluded to that as well. They don't normally even hint at being surprised, but he was honest enough and absolutely a shock selection, even in Scotland. Like chatting to some of the the riders over there, they're absolutely shocked. They think it's one of the biggest gambles of Townsend's career and they they think it even could be defining for him. It's a brave call, absolutely. Finn Russell hasn't been playing particularly well, we, we should say, and it's really kind of underlined that challenge of him being over in France. He's gone back and come back over for, for training camps. He probably hasn't helped himself either. And I think Townsend kind of hinted at it yesterday. One of his answers around this was around you know players being optimally prepared and and things like that that probably alludes to to both being over in France but also the fact that Russell probably not in the best shape of his life at the moment and he's he's struggled in, in that regard and just on the pitch he's made some poor decisions he's put his team under pressure at times with some of the I suppose risk that he brings in his game, um, and you know, even things like kick chase and stuff, he's had a few slips there and and that's really probably not good enough in in Townsend's eyes. The Kinghorn one is fascinating. He's only played uh eleven or twelve games, started eleven or twelve games without half in his entire career. Obviously a very talented fullback, but hadn't quite been able to force his way constantly into the the first choice team with Scotland, given Hogg there obviously. Um and you look, he's shown loads of promise there. He's got lovely running ability. Obviously, he can ghost through gaps. He's got pace. He's got a ability to beat defenders with footwork. He's got a nice passing game, but it's a huge step up on, on what he's done. And, and the reference point that Townsend gave about 12 times yesterday was, he was brilliant against Connacht recently. And he absolutely mm. was, but you would imagine it's going to be a very different pressure on Kinghorn. So yeah, that is a a gamble in my eyes it could be absolutely spectacularly good but it could also put scotland under pressure with a guy who hasn't been in that situation he hasn't been able to call plays under the kind of pressure that he'd be under he hasn't been tested i suppose defensively like he will be and um it's going to be really interesting to see how he handles all of that
1: to what extent do you expect this game to be defining for townsend then say if scotland lose and whatever about finishing fifth in the table, I know it's not ideal even from a financial point of view, and the optics aren't great when you've kind of threatened to be good over the last few years. And and we've seen Scotland be good as well on their day over the last few years, but when you just can't string it together and that's happening year upon year, are you looking at they're potentially making a change at that point, or do they just accept this is sort of who we are for the foreseeable?
0: I definitely think Townsend's gonna to lead Scotland to the World Cup. I I don't imagine them making a change before that. Um and in fairness, they've had a there's been a little bit of um not chopping change, that's the wrong word, but you know, even after the first match when they beat England, he made six changes, I think. And there probably was a a forward thinking there. Like he's learned a bit about someone like Tui Pilatu in, in midfield who's not even involved now, but featured earlier in the championship. And all those kind of elements to it I think were looking forward to to a World Cup and absolutely I would imagine that's what he's assuring them in, in Scotland behind the scenes but yeah, almost the attitude that Irish people have towards this game is kind of telling um, this week in, in that, you know, they've had this bogey team in in Ireland and haven't been able to to find a way. They've got close. Obviously the, the time in Dublin where Hogg dropped the ball over the trial and was probably their, their best opportunity yet. I, I don't think that losing this match would would see Townsend, Townsend lose his job but It would definitely add to the despondency and maybe lack of optimism in Scotland.
1: Call it for us, so will Ireland get the job done?
0: Yeah, I think they will. I think they'll win well, and I do think they'll give us uh, a better sighting of their more kind of complete performance.
1: Talk to me about Paris. Can England actually beat France, or are we just talking up that prospect to (laughs) make the day's rugby seem that little bit more appealing or exciting?
0: Yeah, look, they... They have qualities to go and do. It. And he's picked a team with Stewart. obviously, Freddie Stewart moving to the wing and and they've got, got Furbank in a fullback and they're definitely going to kick a lot. Wales gave a template there and a really compelling template that makes a lot of sense because trying to play through that French defence at times is just silly because they're so good around breakdown. They're so organised. They're so hardworking and fit. And, Scott and Wales rather got plenty of change out of their kicking game. They didn't have the attacking thrust at the right moment they missed their opportunity with Davies not taking that pass from Faletay where they potentially could have got a got a score but lots of things went well for them in that game with the, the tactical approach and you would imagine that England will, will echo lots of that but I, like the kind of more rational part of my brain just looks at France and says they have so many ways to do this they have so many qualities they look way more mentally resilient than maybe French teams of of the recent past when they were struggling to fulfil their potential, and even the wobble in Wales, they they came through that and had the the grit, I suppose, and and the defensive qualities to to get through it. So it would surprise me if France slip up. And listen, obviously everyone wants Ireland to to win when you're when you're over here, but in a way, I'd I'd love to see France doing this and and fulfilling their potential. I have a massive. Um, Grow, I was going to say, our, our love for for French rugby. And I think it's just fantastic that they've been consistent and that they are maximising their potential. And I think they're going to be so compelling next year as well in, in 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 the World Cup. But yeah, I would be leaning towards France certainly getting it done. But at the same time, you're not going to complain if England are in it with uh, 10, 15 minutes to go. And there's a bit of um, uh, like flashes of 2015, obviously, when Ireland had beaten Scotland and Murrayfield and it was unbelievable drama. I remember over there, all the Irish fans stayed behind and uh, there was <laughs> some typically French moments in the with the clock in the red. But um, yeah, I think France, if I had to predict it honestly, I think France will get the job done. What do you reckon, Gav?
1: France will win. Yeah, undoubtedly. But I think there's actually a lot of pressure on England as much as there's pressure on France with the slam on the line. I yeah. think when you've been talking up your own performance in a defeat with 14 men granted, to the extent that England have been, then you have to back it up with actual substance. And uh, if they were to lose heavily, a lot of that goodwill towards Jones could dissipate very quickly, I think. So I'm intrigued to see how they actually respond to their praise of each other and of themselves, you know. And that's a very difficult thing to do in Paris when there's a grand slam on the line for the opposition, you know.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Goodwill towards Jones. I, I know there's some badwill towards him, certainly. Yeah. And again, I don't see a change this close to to a World Cup and it wouldn't surprise me if they come good for that competition. But you're right, like successive underachievements in Six Nations, even while you're looking forward to a World Cup, it's not really acceptable for the RFU, given all the resource.
1: Speaking of slams, was Grave Park on Sunday. There's one on the line there as well and I'm probably blowing the face from saying it, but for a young crop of players who weren't exactly heralded as being jam-packed full of potential stars the way some previous iterations of the 20s have been this team led by Richie Murphy has um, exceeded expectations and also I think we've seen players actually emerge into becoming those potential stars over the course of the tournament that maybe we at least I wouldn't have had my eye on um, to the extent that I do now
0: yeah it's it's almost the game of the weekend in many ways it's exciting because like achieving at that level even is is remarkable for Irish rugby and being so consistent with it now and becoming the dominant force at that level, even with the, obviously, annual turnover of, of complete squads is, is unbelievably impressive. And credit to the, the likes of David News and the RFU for, for nailing this side of the game. They've they've done a really good job with it. Richie Murphy, it's been brilliant to see him get the responsibility of being a head coach again. He was in the kind of shadows with Ireland, working on the the kicking and the skill side of the game and, and a bit of the attack and he always wanted to to be the head coach again and, and get that responsibility. And he's managed it really well. There's a a really nice kind of spirit of camaraderie in that group as well, even with, with players from all corners of the island, obviously. Even on my flight back uh, last weekend after Twickenham, the, the 20s were on the the plane. And the, the pilot came on and said, congrats, heard you beat the English. And there was a, a great round of applause and reception for them. And they, I could see them chatting away to some of the fans as well. It was nice to see that um, recognition for them, I suppose, and, and what they've done. And it's sold out for, for Sunday as well, which is absolutely class. So everyone will be tuned in, hoping that it's the kind of continuation of, a, of an excellent weekend for Irish rugby because it looks like it's a continuation of an excellent production line for the provinces and into the pro game and a couple of these guys playing senior international rugby hopefully within a couple of years so yeah roll it on and uh, another grand slam at this level would be fantastic
1: yeah really would just before we wrap munster playing against the lions looking to bounce back i guess and uh, the pressure is not the same as the pressure that's on england but You you know, if you're Munster and you have two losses in a row in your copybook, it just doesn't look good ever. You know what I mean? So they're going to be looking for not only a performance, but probably more importantly, actually a result against the Lions this weekend.
0: Who were good. The Lions were good against Leinster very recently and and caused them problems in Dublin. And then last weekend had the the big win over, over Cardiff. So they're rolling along nicely and, and Munster obviously missing a, a crop of their kind of experienced players. So it is a, a a big challenge for them. And you can see another clean sweep really for the South African sides this weekend again, which again, we, we discussed it will be encouraging. But I'd be surprised if Munster don't bounce back with a stronger kind of opening half to, to the performance and not allow the, the Lions to build up the lead that the Bulls were able to. And if they can do that, I actually think it will be a really impressive w- win for Munster. And it doesn't seem like that. It won't be big headline news if if they do it. It'll be kind of taken for granted. But I think it would actually be a really important stepping stone for this group that it is, for the likes of Alex Kandelin, who was, as we said, just so impressive last weekend, going to another level. And it's the kind of experience that really drags a, gr- a group together. They have, by all accounts, had a, a brilliant time over there. They've had a bit of time away from rugby, just being on tour together is a, an amazing experience and, and brilliant for for building squad harmony. So if they cap that off with a win against the Lions, I think it would be a really successful um, kind of period in their season underneath the the radar.
1: You're back four members after the Arden game, if I'm not mistaken?
0: Yeah, we'll have... Um, uh, an update. We're trying to figure out for Saturday night because obviously the the game even um, goes on so late. The last one um, and even the the media stuff doesn't start until maybe half ten eleven pm, which is going to be weird. But oh, really? we'll obviously be there on Monday with yourself and and Birch and um, yeah, just to say to people if they missed out if they weren't tuning in on Monday, Birch's scrum analysis was was, was outstanding. We had Will Genia with myself and Owen on um, on Wednesday as well, and I thought it was really interesting just to hear his love love for the game his passion is insight into scrum half play so um yeah if people haven't signed up yet get involved because we're going to be talking loads of rugby next week
1: yeah i'm really looking forward to it i loved genia's reverence for raj actually murray i mean obviously the story that he told about raj saying look him in the eye and show him some respect after the game in 2009 was funny but i just thought it was interesting the, yeah the degree to which he seemed to just love Roger like view him as a, an icon of the game because that's the way I viewed Roger growing up, growing up but I'm from Cork I'm from Ireland and Munster mm-hmm. you know and uh, it's interesting that yeah somebody as good as Genya and as successful as he's been actually viewed Roger through a similar enough prism you know
0: yeah he um he's been a rugby nerd from from the very start and still tunes in he said he watches the the clips I think from off the ball to or Roger or Virgin Media or wherever he is and he engages with everything so it is nice to see a player who's 34 now been through it all 110 test caps but absolutely lives and breathes the game so it was a great chat um, to get myself and Owen started we're going to get um, Ian Costello from the Munster Academy on next Wednesday it's going to be really interesting to catch up with him because obviously there's so much work being done that's been positive we mentioned on this podcast actually just how they're, they're moving things on he's going to chat about how they're working with players, guys being in the IAL um, and all sorts of stuff. So that'll be really interesting.
1: Brilliant. It's members.the42.e if you want to join us there and get all of those extra rugby podcasts. Murray, we'll catch you on Monday then.
0: Have a good weekend, Gav.
1: Yeah, you too. Enjoy it. And thank you to everybody at home for tuning in. Uh, yeah, you enjoyed as well. And we will chat to you next week. In the meantime, mind yourselves, take it easy.
0: I don't think we met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster
1: could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. <laughs> it is Robbie Robbie weekly. Middle in the first pass! Let's go! Go!